No, we're going to figure it out. Was that an exact line from Yes, it? yes. Fucking <laughs> 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 <Good> quote. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's exactly how it should be. That is exactly right. It's a really awful book club, really awful book club, where we all read books. And they're bad. Welcome, all you awful book clubbers, to the Awful Book Club podcast. Uh, we're back for our second episode, finally, and we are going to be taking a look at the first chapter of Twilight. Uh, as always, for the second time, I'm Christian. I'm Katie. I'm Angie. And I am Nick. And we are going to be rotating how we host this, so today I am going to be leading the discussion. We are relatively new, so we're going to fill out this process and see how the discussion goes. So does anyone have any input before we dive into the summary of the chapter? Anyone want to say their hellos? Chapter one was as awful as I remember it being. There's like some moments in here that I'm just super excited to dive into. I have a really, um, really great story to tell about it. It, it was riveting stuff. So, all right, let's 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 dive right in. I wrote up uh, very quickly a little summary here. So first, we have a prologue, a preface, if you will, where a narrator sits at a long table across from the hunter, contemplating her death dramatically. Sounds like a sacrifice. Chapter one, first sight. All right, so we open with a car ride to the airport as Isabella Swan exiles herself to Forks, Washington, where it rains a lot. She's leaving her apparent twit of a mother for a reason not yet known. It's cool, though. Her mom has Phil, who I assume will be a major character as we continue on this adventure. She gets to Forks. It's raining. Charlie, her dad, brought, bought her a really old truck that he got cheap off some paraplegic guy she used to fish with. She's blocked out that memory because she's blocked out all painful or unnecessary memories. I'm not sure where fishing falls. We'll find that out later, I'm sure. She actually loves old Trucky. She tries to sleep that night before a new high school starts the next day, but can't because it's raining. First day of school, rain. Bella hates everything. Students keep trying to talk to her, but ain't no Bella got time for that. In the cafeteria, she sees them, five of them. They look nothing alike, but also, quote, we're all exactly alike. Super pale, dark eyes, devastatingly beautiful. Edward, Alice, and Emmett Colin, Rosalie and Jasper Hale. She starts to ask about them, and one of their mouths begins to move quickly. Bella feels he is talking to the others, even though they're not looking. Emmett and Rosalie are a thing. So are Jasper and Alice. However, they all live together with Dr. Colin. The doc is young, 20s or 30s, and they're all adopted. Edward stares at Bella with a frustrated look. On to biology too. Only one empty seat next to, uh-oh, Edward Colin. He stiffens, stares at her, hostile, furious. He leans angrily away from her all through class. He's making a fist. Boy's got muscles. He glares once more and runs out when class ends. She meets Mike, who is deaf-interested. He tells her Colin has never acted like that before. After school in the office, she finds Edward trying to switch to a different biology class, but to no avail. Bella leaves to return to Charlie's, fighting back tears the whole time. That's my summary. So this is what we're diving into. This is what I took away from it. My favorite part of the summary... Uh, is the fact that you insist on pronouncing their last name Colin. It's Colin, 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 Col, Col. No, Col, 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 Colin. A colon is something that helps you poop. I I know what a colon is. And the Cullens are something that might be the product of your colon. Cullen. Cullen? Yeah, Cullen. That's better. Yeah, yeah. Cullen. Cullen. Right. No, no. Cullen. Please continue to pronounce Cullen. it your way. It brings me great joy. It's, it's, Cullen. I've been calling him Edward Cullen. <laughs> You're right. It's really weird. My whole life. I, I don't I, I don't know. That's great. You do you. I love it. Um, I would love to just spend one second to note something that you did leave out, which is that the very beginning is actually a quote from Genesis. 
No, I did skip that. You are I, correct. My story, this is actually great for my story. So let me interject my story here. We uh, had to go uh, take a long road trip over the weekend. And so on the way back, uh, we decided to start the audiobook because why not? And so I'd never listened to the audiobook, so I was unprepared for what I was about to hear. Um, and so it starts, and there's this weird electric guitar like it's riff. Superb. It is hard it's to explain. It's actually incredible, and I couldn't even, I couldn't handle it. And then this woman starts talking that is like the opposite of Bella's voice that I could possibly imagine. Like, it's like, if I could imagine Bella's voice, this is like the exact opposite of what I could, it's like more Alice. But anyway, and then she starts reading the quote from Genesis and I lose my fucking shit. Like I like lose it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? She is that pretentious to use this fucking quote from Genesis as the, like, like I, I, I had to pause it because I literally started cackling. It was insane. Now I do feel personally qualified to read this particular quote. Uh, so I'm just going to let the, the, the listeners know just exactly what quote this is. This is from Genesis 2, uh, verse 17. <clears throat> but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. See, and this was the part of the book right from the get-go where I was like, damn it. Christian gets what he wants, he's getting a comparison to Eve. Yeah, that's going to come back up. <laughs> um, there was a moment, I do not have a number marked down for the page for this, but there was a moment where uh, Bella is wondering why Edward is so angry at her, and she muses, he doesn't know me from Eve. And I just like, was like, stare at the camera. He does, he does. That's right around the time that she says, quote, he's so mean, it's so unfair. Well, that's, I highlighted that. That's a great line. It's, it's, it's wow. So, are we, are we trying to like, make believe that we don't know that they're all vampires or whatever? Are we trying to view this from the, like, no. No, like okay. Us or yeah, like that... like during our discussions. No, I don't give okay. a shit how we go about I mean, it. I don't. I don't know the books, but I know they're vampires. Like, I think I... the question is, did she expect the reader to not? Right, think we can analyze it both vampires? ways. Yeah. Okay, because I had a real this time around, like going back and reading it with how Edward deals with like smelling Bella for the first time. What the hell are you doing? Edward, cough, sneeze, get an excuse to go to the bathroom like any other uncomfortable teenager would want to. Okay, okay, but wait. Here's, here's the other thing I would also like to point out. He doesn't need to breathe. There's literally no reason why he needs to inhale her scent. It's a very valid point. So, but here, here's my question. Is it... Is that what happened in the classroom? Because it doesn't ever explicitly say he smelled her. She worries that it's her smell that's causing him to lean away, but it's not because he physically smelled her. It's just she's trying to figure out why he's not leaning or why he's leaning away from her. Spoiler alert. Oh, exactly. Why. See, these are the things I don't know yet because... Yes, no, it's grand books. to have your virgin perspective. But yes, we will metagame this a little bit and say that's that fair, we can, in fair. fact, okay. confirm this is yes. about smell. So see, you're, you're bringing new new knowledge here. Yeah, so, you'll find like, my, I was like, what what kind of vampire are you? What kind of, veg, like, vegetarian vampire are you that you just can't leave? Like, hey, I've got to go to the bathroom. Just leave if she's bothering you. But instead, he sits there and clenches like he's Arthur the whole time. And, like, I don't understand it. He's he full edgelord. Um, <laughs> That's true. Okay, so we're, we're, we're jumping to the end of the chapter here. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. True. So her mother, <laughs> who looks exactly like her, except for her laugh lines and s short hair. Yeah, she seems like she's kind of adult. I do not like Renee. I get the impression that she just doesn't really want to be a mom and is really, really glad that Bella is leaving. And Bella knows that. And that's why she's going. 
I mean, as, as somebody who hasn't read the books, it's like, okay, is there some great mystery here? Because they're so incredibly vague about why she's leaving and what led to all of this. And she can see the sacrifice behind her mother's promise that she would be there for her if she ever came back. And it's like, okay, there's some really deep and heavy shit happening here. Yeah, I marked that one down too. Uh, The sacrifice in her eyes. Yeah. uh, When she imagined her having to bring Bella back home. I was like, what the the hell is this? Like, is there some major storyline that's going to evolve out of her mother and why she came to Falls? I I think we... Bella's just that boring that her mom's like, no, like you can, yeah, just, yeah, go. So I would just like to uh, iterate a couple things. One, I uh, decided to purchase uh, the most amazing purchase of my entire life, I think. Uh, and that is the illustrated guide to Twilight. Which I'm excited about. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's essentially like an encyclopedia. It's going to be really, really helpful for this audio medium. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be, uh, because I, the very beginning is an interview with Mrs. Stephanie Meyer. And I would just like to bring something up that I think is extremely important in this conversation that we're having right now, which is that the entirety of this whole book series was written on a whim based off of a dream that she had. And the dream doesn't even come into play until like chapter 12. Right. It is commonly so, known as the meadow scene. Yeah. So if you remember the movie, it's when they meet in the meadow and like the we'll sunlight finally it's yeah, you'll get there, but it's yeah, yeah. fucking 12 chapters in. And so she had this dream and apparently she's starting to have memory loss at this point in her life. I don't know if there's something wrong with her or, or what's going on. And so she decided that she didn't want to forget this dream. And so she wrote it down and uh, she really loved it. And so then she finished writing the book from that point. I have some shit that is going to blow your goddamn mind. Let me finish. So she finished writing the book from that point and then went back and wrote the beginning. Uh, all right. I mean, I guess there's no So there's literally nothing to this. Like, this is a, this is a means to an end. Like, there's, like, anything Which that we're reading. You can kind of tell. That does, like... That does inform my reading a little bit more because it is so bare minimum. I honestly, one of the biggest things that I picked up about Renee was just that she was incredibly like a, a very like credibly flat character. She got these very like semi stereotypical, like ditzy mom sort of at like characteristics. And that was it. And that was all we got of her. Nothing else. Yep. And she's flighty, we find out. That's Here's my favorite trivia about Stephanie Meyer that I learned. I was doing some research building up for this, okay? You may not care about this information. Angie's probably going to care about this information. I don't know what books you two have read necessarily. I am very into high fantasy novels uh, and high fantasy authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I've recently gotten into Brandon Sanderson very heavily. Uh, and I'm going to hurt my wife right now. Uh, so Stephanie Meyer got her degree uh, in literature from Brigham Young University in 1997, uh, which is right around the same time that Brandon Sanderson was attending Brigham Young University, uh, which means that they theoretically crossed paths with each other while they were studying together. Which blows my mind That's because Brandon incredible. Sanderson is one of the greatest writers I've ever like had the privilege to to like read his works. Uh, he does amazing work for the high fantasy genre, and then like then you have this, this. <laughs> <laughs> that is apparently produced by the same university around the same time. Right. Uh, and it just really goes to show you kids that uh, no amount of education can really teach you how to write properly. You, you either have it in you or you don't, I guess. As Stephen King once said about Stephanie Meyer, she's just not that good. <laughs> there's some moments, seriously, and this pertains back into this first chapter now. There's some moments where I'm like really concerned as to how Stephanie Meyer got a degree in literature because like her big thing for Bella, because let's be honest, Stephanie Meyer writes Bella to be her, right? Like that's the idea. And and there's this whole thing in there about how Bella's learning about what the workload's going to be like at her new school. 
And she's like, oh, I've already read all these things. Uh, and she's like listing them off and it's like Chaucer and like, right. Shakespeare and the most generic. Bronte. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess we read some of that in high school, so it's feasible. But like, is this the best you could come up with, Stephanie Meyer? Like, the, this is the, the, the... This is your version of Elite. Yeah. She also well, keep uh, bringing up Withering Heights. I yeah, don't know what they're the, really into Withering I Heights. I personally was never told to read that book and therefore never read that book. And so Big I, old hard-on for Withering Heights. But I feel that. like that is a, like, very common thing for, like, modern female protagonists. Yeah, and I would be obsessed with Withering Heights. And so I'm wondering if maybe I should, but like all of me says that it's a waste of my time. Uh, but according to Stephanie Meyer, it'll make you uh, a more intelligent, interesting female character. Yeah. So she must have read that after she wrote the series. Maybe. Mm-hmm. After her lit degree. Um, anyway. I just thought that that was interesting trivia sad. about that Stephanie sad Meyer. <laughs> I, I actually wrote, kind of going back to what you just said, my takeaway for Bella was she's emo as fuck, but also smart and pretty, of course. Naturally. Because and also, know, if you'll remember, in biology class, uh, she was trying to not focus on Edward by focusing on the biology lesson, but she had already learned that. So she couldn't. I had a question, maybe more for Katie and Angie here. Um, Because I'm thinking back and I'm trying to remember the whole, like, I'm the absolute best, but don't have any confidence in myself and think that I'm average or ugly, but I'm actually the best. Did that, was that already a trope when this book was written? Or did this, like, create the trope for female heroines? I feel like this was, I don't really think, yeah, I, I think it was already a trope. I don't think this was anything groundbreaking. I mean, she was a lot more heavy-handed in it. Like, she goes on for, like, a paragraph talking about her skin and the quality of it and how it can be quite pretty sometimes and translucent. And then she talks about her body, and it's like, you know, I'm not athletic and I don't have muscles, but I'm also very, very skinny. And it's just like, and she calls herself soft. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, like, that's the worst things she can find to say about, like Bella can find to say about herself. And it's just like, she obviously is very heavy handed and trying to express that she's very attractive, but she doesn't think she's attractive. But, but here's the, so as a new reader, obviously when you're reading a book, you try to picture what a character looks like. And I'm trying to form this image of Bella in my mind. And so I wrote down the things that you get as actual physical descriptors of Bella. And after chapter one, here's what we know. She's five foot, four inches tall, looks just like her mom, has ivory skin, is slender, but soft. And that's it. She I don't also know. doesn't have red hair or blue eyes. Right. Um, we can assume she has childlike eyes since she looks exactly like her mom except for the lines and the hair so uh wide childlike eyes ivory skin slender soft five foot four so i don't know her hair color i don't i don't know anything i think about she does mention like. that she has dark hair dark like hair, i yes. think it's it's mentioned somewhere like uh there she sees another girl and she's like oh they're they have dark hair like me or something like that i don't know but also i love it feels like stephanie meyer went through some kind of course where they were like just use adjectives all the time to describe everything that's happening. And so I love or that we get that. Up or make them up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bella's favorite shirt was a sleeveless white eyelet lace top that plays no part in anything except that's what she was wearing. I'm sure that will come into play later when she needs her favorite top. Yeah, that she can't wear because... All of So I wrote money words on the top of my page, and there were times that I felt like she whipped out a, a thesaurus or something along those lines to use a word that didn't need to be used, but she did it anyway. And the one that matches up with this was when she said, most of my Arizona clothes were too permeable. Okay, I get it, but also... Did you need it? Or when he, she said about her and her father, neither of us were what anyone would call verbose. Oh my god. 
I it's wish like I, I had made stuff. a list of all the times that she just straight up uses words wrong. Mm-hmm. Or like, it just feels so forced. Like it feels like when I was writing like my papers in college and I was like rereading the stuff and I kept using like the same words multiple times. And so then I would highlight it and then use my thesaurus app on my right. Word document to switch it out with something else. There was like a- that's kind of what it felt like. Nothing wrong with using a thesaurus. I, I just want to go on record as saying that. I use a thesaurus. Yeah. All writers should use a thesaurus. But it's very evident when there are times that it's very, like, lowbrow writing, and then suddenly there's a word there that is above the rest of it. There was one moment where she uses the word greenly. Like, something happens greenly and, like, makes green like a, an adverb here uh and it i just like was like that maybe that's right i guess i'm not the best when it comes to grammar but it even felt- the air filtered down greenly through the leaves you got it he <laughs> has a fucking book of quotes <laughs> no, no no i just know exactly i was like oh he's talking about that green section where everything is green because my favorite quote out of the in like the entire freaking chapter was it was too green an alien planet which was immediately preceded by it was beautiful of course bitch do you know what alien planets look like do you know what makes our planet like livable it's the fact that we have the green stuff you know life science corner with katie (laughs) (laughs) i read that line and i was like what? That was your favorite. Uh, yeah, let's. Does anybody else have a favorite line from chapter one? I know mine. I'm just it was, curious. Mine was early in the the, yeah. the chapter, so I'm just curious oh. to know if anybody else. Yes. Hold uh, on, I gotta find it so I get it right. While he's waiting to find it, I also have another favorite quote, but it's because I have no idea, like from like having a background of doing some acting how a person would say this and make it not sound uncomfortable. You mean most of the dialogue? (laughs) But this in particular, and it's just because of the... Yeah. Well, give me a page first. So it's at the bottom of page eight. It's the second to last paragraph. Yes, please say it. Wow, Dad. I love it. Thanks. I like, literally every time I read it, I like that's exactly how like like yes, it sounds like so sarcastic to me. Like, wow, Dad, I love it. Thanks. Like, well, who the fuck says stuff like that? Like, hey, cool, Dad. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Like, especially thanks. when you have like Bella, who's this like emo. Like, you would expect her to be monotone all the time when she speaks. So you can't picture her saying it the way Katie did. I don't because she doesn't have any sense of bubbly energy whatsoever within her but like the the way that it's like the the sentence is structured and the um exclamation points all that stuff it's just it that's the only way it can be read and it just does not work for her character or just in common language it just does nobody talks like that so it's just like i was the hell so nick did you find your favorite yes but i just want to say that was that's one of those moments in the audiobook where it's really painful because you can tell that the voice actor did not know what to do with it and so like if you go to the audiobook and listen to the first chapter and find that line it's so it doesn't even come out in the sarcastic bubbly way it's just like disjointed like she's literally she's got like a bubbly voice but almost robotically bubbly reading those lines it's very awkward it's so <laughs> very uncomfortable just it's even thinking about it way of saying mm-hmm. word combinations like my uh my favorite my favorite sentence from um chapter one page page 20 i glanced sideways at the beautiful boy who is looking at his tray now picking a bagel to pieces with long pale fingers it always made me think that edward just like had really creepy fingers like but like the preface that it's he's the beautiful boy he's our beautiful little boy look at his spindly (laughs) see-through white fingers well i may be picking that bagel to pieces he's destroying it with his beautiful pale (laughs) fingers my beautiful boy i love him so much I, i may be dating myself here but it made me think of salad fingers (laughs) 
like the long pale fingers i was like this nothing like but this in the cafeteria scene since we're there right now one thing that struck me is just she keeps talking about well first of all she goes through like three different iterations of but that's not why i couldn't look away and then she tells a whole other thing and then she's like but that's not why i couldn't look away and then she (laughs) i don't know why she couldn't look away but she talks about how beautiful and perfect they are but also says they also had dark shadows under those eyes, purplish, bruise-like shadows. She goes on to say, like they had just, they are almost recovered from getting punched in the nose or getting their nose broken. And then she talks about how perfect and beautiful they are. I was like, where do these, where do these broken nose shadows under the eyes factor into their beauty? I actually wrote that down too. I was like, so they're a gorgeous family who never sleep and have bags under their eyes, like. I would, I would like, that would not be attractive to me. That would be like kind of gross. Like I would be kind of weirded out by that. Like bags under your eyes is not immediately something that I find attractive. No, purple bags, yeah. Another descriptor part that I loved about that was um, Edward's quote, perfect lips but no description about what makes them perfect. So no. we have nothing to go on about Edward's lips. It's choose her an adventure. It's you decide what perfect the reader is. to determine what their yeah. perfect version of a lip is. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I got um, another one. Page 14, possibly one of the better moments of the whole book. Uh, Bella is preparing uh, to... Uh, oh, no, I wanted to bring this up. I'm so mad. <laughs> you want this one? It's this, right? Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, she's like getting ready to go into school. And she's like, I stuffed everything in my bag, slung the strap over my shoulder and sucked in a huge breath. I can do this. I lied to myself feebly. No one was going to bite me. I, I was I was disappointed that nobody had brought that up until now because I had that written as my favorite quote of the chapter. Literally. When I first read it, I, I had one of those moments where I booed audibly. I was just going to say that. We were in the car <laughs> together and we went... Boo! Right, because they're vampires. It's a va- hey guys, did you know it's a vampire book? Nobody <laughs> could bite her. I just I got so mad thinking about how pleased she must have been with herself in that moment. She went to school with Brandon Sanderson. Don't understand. Can we just also talk about the way that she does exposition? Because that to me is just an atrocity. Like. Like, page three. In the Olympic Peninsula of Northwest Washington State, a small town named Forks exists under a near-constant cover of clouds. Like, that's all, like, that's, like, that's our initial, and I'm like, okay, that's weird. And then, like, a couple pages later, she talks about uh, La Push, because it's, like, the first time that they mentioned it, and so she's, like, on page six, she's like, do you remember Billy Black down at La Push? Oh, by the way, guys, by the way, reader, the push is a tiny Indian reservation on the coast. And then just like keeps going with the shitty choppy dialogue. It's just like she puts these like really weird. I'm like sure she Googled that on the fly. That's right she's- before That's right before she uh, talks about how much every memory with her father, where her father was trying to be a good father to her, uh, taking her fishing is a horrible memory that she's repressed. That's what I'm saying. She says she repressed all of her uh, painful and unnecessary memories, but doesn't say which one is which. So I don't know if fishing was painful or unnecessary. I have it written down as page six. Bella is a dick about fishing with dad. (laughs) I think probably the only um, the only kind of like characteristic that we get a clue about for Bella that I can actually relate to is not being able to remember a single one of her classmates' names. Like not like she remembers Jessica and Eric. That's the thing. That is was the only thing that I was able to be like. You know what? She literally says that she has this tendency to have her emotions when she's angry turn into tears. No, 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 no. I do not cry when I'm angry. I do for sure. I do not. That's not me. No, I don't, I don't cry when I'm angry. When I like, but I have a terrible time remembering people's names. Yes, you do. Here's the moment where I knew I was going to hate Bella Swan forever. (laughs) This is the moment. It is on page 13. She is describing the high school she's about to attend. Oh, uh, yeah. 
and, and she's lamenting. She says, there were so many trees and shrubs, I couldn't see its size at first. Where was the feel of the institution? <laughs> I wondered nostalgically, which I wondered nostalgically was its own sentence. Fascinating. Yep. Where were the chain link fences, the metal detectors? Why doesn't this feel more like a prison? Ah, woe is me. <laughs> if only school felt more like a prison where I had my life sucked out of me by the Dementors. I, I should also note uh, a, another standalone sentence in this chapter was, quote, but it was sure to be awkward with Charlie. That's the beginning of a, of a new paragraph, I believe. She does start a lot of sentences with conjunctions, and it kind yes. of sucks me a little nuts. I read some yeah. something about, um, it, it was a person who wrote a biography about her writing these books, and they said as an English teacher, they didn't like her writing at first, but then they realized that the choppiness and the dashes and the things that she uses for emphasis are meant to uh, keep a sense of urgency in the chapter because you feel like you're listening to somebody's thoughts. I was like, that's one hell of an excuse, but no. It sounds yeah. like you're trying to justify the fact that she was literally just writing her thoughts as they came to her and did no editing. Well, here's I, the thing, though, y'all. This was published by a major fucking publisher, which means it had to go through multiple professional edits. This has gone through... Someone edited this. Someone in a, in a large publishing house edited this book and said, this is fucking good. And then it's like a New York Times editor's choice. The editor from New York Times chose this fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, yeah. There, there is a difference between good and marketable. And to Stephanie Meyer's credit, I will say that at the very least, she has been pretty open about it being geared towards kids, a younger audience, a teen audience, maybe. And also, the only response, I'm sure there's plenty, but the only response that I saw today to any negative criticism that she's received was her pointing out that these books were just for fun. So they're not supposed to be high literature. So it's like, okay, she at least understands it's not the highest brow thing that exists. But The Hobbit was written for children. Oh yeah, absolutely. And but I'm just saying it's... I have my gripe at least Harry Potter, it, but at least she knows what it is. Harry I guess. Potter was written for children. Yeah, right. Uh have you read um The Dark Is Rising? No. Oh my gosh. Go read Susan Cooper's The Dark Is Rising. Uh, no, I'm reading Twilight. Yeah, I understand. Uh, the literature. I read as a child the Gnomobile by Upton Sinclair. That was also a very well written book. I so. don't I don't like C.S. Lewis because I hate allegory, but C.S. Lewis writes well. Yeah. Narnia well, was for children. Um, back, to, Stephen, back, to things. back to bad things. No. No, I don't want to keep talking about good things. This is an awful Steve, book. This was going to be bad. So Stephen King compared Rowling and Stephanie Meyer and said they're both trying to accomplish the same thing by reaching the same audience, but Rowling is an exceptional writer and Meyer is not. Quote, <laughs> She can't work. She can't write worth a darn, is what he said. That was very kind of him. Yeah, it was. I think censored. The only other thing that I really wrote down that like I like really wanted to like bring up uh, was the fact that, and I don't know if this stuck out to anyone else, but it did to me, is that she consistently uses directional references. <laughs> Like, yes, yes. Like, oh, yes, I have the Western bedroom. Like, who the fuck knows that? The, like, the number was on the east corner of the yeah, building. Yeah, okay. and I'm like, yeah. is there a compass? Are you walking around the fucking compass? Like, how do you know that? I think this was another effort. I feel like it's another, like, moment where Stephanie Myers was like, you know what? I really need to, you know, beef this up a little bit. Let's add some more descriptive. And instead of, like, actually trying to tell a story or, like, build some sort of um background for her characters she was just like no no no. i'll give them north south east or west and call it a day but right like like i i can maybe understand to give her a little credit i might be able to understand the like the bedroom directional because like i guess you can tell where the sun's coming up and down so i guess that makes sense but like in the middle of the day like if you're looking at a building then why wouldn't you just say the top right corner of the building right uh, Bella actually has a wonderful sense of direction. So incredible. Yeah. I have one more thing I really want to talk about that I think is going to be a reoccurring bit for me as we go through this. Is Bella really mentions that her like 
anger and frustration and all this stuff is tied to her crying and she's crying a lot. So I've decided I'm going to keep a tally of every time Bella cries. I like this. In each chapter. And so in chapter one, Isabella Swan does cry three times, only three times. I was kind of surprised. It felt like more. When well, I was there reading was it. so much exposition, Nick. Like, there's just so much right. extra stuff that we had, we had to do world building that didn't build the world. <laughs> right, right. So there were, were three crying sessions for, for Bella Swan in chapter one, and I will keep that tally going throughout. Related, because I wrote down this quote. Quote, real crying jag. That is a direct quote from the book, and I... Went back and I I, try, I made sure I didn't read it wrong because at first I was like, did she get it confused with like jet lag? Like, am I am I reading a typo? Had a stroke in the middle of writing it. <laughs> Real <laughs> crying jag. She again, it's, it's she has some questionable word choices because I also had one where I had to second guess myself because she was talking about her winter wardrobe and she described it as scanty, which is technically correct but so is scant which is what i feel like most people would use and scanty to me like sounds like scantily clad as opposed to like scarce yeah um so it was just an interesting she says let it let a few tears escape i wasn't in the mood to go on a real crying jag I'm yeah. sure it makes sense, but... I think oh sometimes when I'm reading this, my brain just goes, yeah, that totally didn't happen. And then I, like, keep reading. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have one more thing I want to bring to everybody's attention. That's the last bit of, like, exposition about this book. We shouldn't have to do too much more of this as we go through the other chapters. Uh, I remember writing a book report on this, as I had mentioned in our introduction episode. And I remember one of the things that I had noticed when I had, I had done that back in the day was that uh, Stephanie Meyer had actually originally listed out, I think it was actually in the back of the book, although I looked in the back of this one, it didn't quite say it here. Um, so it might've just been earlier editions, but she wrote out like what bands she was listening to when she, when she wrote it. And since, uh, then, and since it's all blown up, she has created a Spotify playlist of songs to listen to. Uh, while reading Twilight, which does go uh, kind of well with the list that I remember. It's not long. I'm going to read you the tracks real quick. I just, I'm excited. Please bring it on. And I apologize to anybody who uh, likes any of these songs and I ruin them for you now forever. <clears throat> Why does it always rain? Something, something. This is by somebody named Travis. I don't know what that one is. Creep by Radiohead. Ugh. In oh. My Place by Coldplay. I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance. With You by Linkin Park. By Myself by Linkin Park. Dreaming by Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. And then it trails off. I'm not going to look at it further. Please Forgive Me by David Gray. Here With Me by Dido. Time is Running Out by Muse. Tremble for My Beloved by Collective Soul. Dreams by the Cranberries. I know. And Lullaby by Billy Joel. <laughs> wow. Also, I'd like to add that it wasn't actually in the back of the book that she posted it. It was on her website. I vividly remember this. Do you? Oh my god, that's so funny. The the only one that like I was expecting to be on there was Muse. Cause... I remember I remember this because I was I picked up the first book uh the same around the same like month that welcome to the black parade came out by my chemical romance and so i had read twilight while listening to welcome to the black parade on repeat uh so to me those two things are kind of tied together which is a shame because i love that album album. uh but yeah i always thought it was funny that she had mcr on her mind when she was was writing it and doing all this she was obviously very distracted by the music. God love her, she did the best she could. I'm, I'm, the more we talk about this, the more I'm annoyed right now at how little I know about falls. Like, here's what we know. There's a house that she lives in with her dad. He's a police chief, and there is a school. You meant four. And, it, you and meant- it rains. Forks, what did I say, falls? Sorry. Say falls. Guys, guys, uh, s- side note, as mentioned in episode one, 
Katie and I happen to be big fans of The Vampire Diaries, which is set in Falls, Virginia, and this is set in Forks, Washington. And uh, if I slip up on that, I apologize immediately. Um, I will be doing comparisons of, like, vampires in different, like... Oh, sure. As we get into the, the mythos of it all, like, yeah. start really, talking... That gives yeah. me an excuse to go back and rewatch uh, Diary of a Vampire and uh, Queen Absolutely, of the Absolutely, because I am going to have some, some things to gripe about uh, as far as what Stephanie Myers chose to include in her vampire mythos and what she chose to neglect. Well, that's that a good... Can p- be an ep- that we can do a whole mini-sode on that. Like, <laughs> I, I want us that. to do a bit that's vampire Vampire or fairy? Does this fit into the category of vampire or does this fit into the category of the fae folk? And yeah. that's okay because like like I said, I'm a big Tolkien fan. Tolkien was very convinced that like the realm of the fae is something that you do when you're doing magical stuff and sure. the fae are dangerous. And it's okay if you have a dangerous fairy and that's, if maybe they're just fairies and they just think they're vampires because they're from a time where everybody was worried about fucking vampires. Because really what we're looking at here is it is like young adult fantasy. That's the genre of the book, but it's with horror characters, right? Like historically vampires and werewolves are, are horror um, creatures. And they, like you said, it feels like the Fae. It feels like she's trying to like shoehorn them into a softer image. And it's just, uh, I'm not looking forward to it. You will. Yeah. And like, I also don't enjoy how overt she is about the fact that there's something so different about them I like if you were a first-time reader who didn't know what this series was that first chapter you read it and you're like oh they're probably vampires it's like you, you probably could have you know played with that a little bit more but i was annoyed that like bella's watching him from across the cafeteria and he's moving his mouth quickly and i meant to mention this earlier but none of the vampires are looking at anything they're all just like I know they're vampires, but are they like insane? Because they're just, they're not looking at each other. They're not looking at anyone else. They're all like the, the image we get is they're all looking at varied directions and just staring stoically. And why? I don't know. They're, they're shooting uh, the album cover for an early 2000s Christian band. Right, exactly. Um, and, and then Edward feels the need to move his mouth quickly without looking at any of them to communicate with them, even though they are in a school cafeteria where he could have just said, hey guys, but he didn't. And But I, I was annoyed that Bella watching this just inherently knew, oh, he's talking to them. And it was like, like it's, it's just this, this uh, underlying idea of the supernatural and Bella has some sort of like, I don't know, extra sense for it. It frustrated me. It was just so heavy handed. Should we talk about the fact quickly that they're out in the daytime? Like they're there for school? Oh, sure. Like, Oh, we'll get into that with the mythos. It's an observation from chapter one, don't you think? Like, to be fair. They're vampires. Why the fuck are they out at school in the middle of the day? Right. Now we know how science works, but to be fair, there was no sun. And they will explain that, I'm sure, but for now, I'm just kind of left sitting here going, well, uh, everything I know about vampires tells me that they should be a pile of ashes at this point. Right. Right. Uh, Vampire or fairy, you tell me. (laughs) Um, My last note that I had written down that we hadn't talked about yet, um, let's give a little shout out to Mike. Let's just spend a moment on on the poor boy that is named Mike. No, no, no. We're going to spend an entire episode on Mike next week because chapter two is all about the mistreatment of Mike Newton. Listen, I I just want to point out, and, and, and we've been building it the whole episode, it's just Stephanie Meyer's just inability to grasp like any basic concept. And the basic concept that I feel she missed with Mike is how incredibly awkward and not smooth high school boys are because there is no way a boy that I just met in high school that day, he walks me to my next class and says, lucky enough to sit by you. Like he says that to Bella, like within an hour of meeting her, 
I'm like, there is no freaking way a high school boy would have the balls to say that to the new girl. You don't know. She's the new girl. Shoot your shot. Bullshit. Bullshit. I call bullshit Stephanie Myers. Christian and I are both pretty sure we were that smooth in high school. I was the smoothest. I asked Angie out through uh, MySpace. (laughs) I asked a surprising number of girls out in my time in high school. All your lost loves. No, the most of them didn't work out. You just know the ones that landed. <laughs> <laughs> I shot my shot a lot. Doesn't mean it la- it worked every time. I I mean maybe it was just because I went to Catholic school. All of them were awkward as shit. I oh. never knew if any boys liked anybody. I just had no idea. Guys, I, think- I know I know this this chapter is a treasure trove of quotes, but I was just going back through my notes and came across her uh talking about their names <laughs> yes and I know how that. they are uh <laughs> what did she say that they are weird unpopular names like a grandparent would have talking about the vampires and i was like okay there was just another weird descriptor especially edward is is edward an old weird unpopular name i had a good friend in high school named edward yeah Ed, Eddie, it's just, sorry, it just struck me the wrong way and I just came across that note. I think maybe Jasper and Rosalie and maybe Emmett were different, but like Edward and Alice are not. No. Like that's not. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah, those were my thoughts. I think we should start a GoFundMe because apparently uh, the town does not... um, pay the sheriff enough for him to have matching dining room chairs. <laughs> he just has three mismatched chairs, which I think is supposed to give... I was wondering good. where the hell you were going to go <laughs> with it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> because uh, apparently he has three mismatched chairs around his table, which I think is meant to give his house some kind of weird character or something. But I... No. because everything it's also else... written in a time in which mismatched chairs were a sign of, like, poverty or, like, not having your shit together. Whereas, like, now mismatched chairs are, like, a hip thing. It's super in. Yeah. He was, he was ahead of his time. Okay? Stephanie Meyer made it a thing. Oh, guys. for sure. Um, right. I wanted but but to... actually, what Stephanie, Stephanie Myers absolutely brought back Rosalie as a name, as a popular name. Sure. It definitely added, like, this This book definitely added to well, it. Well, we're naming our first son Jasper now. I would name my kid Jasper. You the funny thing is, is that boy. now these names are, like, are po- more popular. Like, maybe not Alice or Edward, but, like, I feel like Jasper has been more popular. If we name our kid Jasper, I'll name it, I'll call him Jasper. All right. Listen, uh, we gotta end this. Yeah, let's, I was gonna say, I was just about to get there. Let's move on to final thoughts. Final thoughts, where you think it's going to go from here, what you're looking forward to? I think we should end the episode. I said this at the early on in our planning. I think we should end the episode by trying to come up with what the moral of this chapter was. I wrote my <laughs> Like what? Because I think that books are supposed to have a moral vision and they're supposed to teach us something and help us grow. And uh, I'm just curious what the moral vision of chapter one was. What, what's the moral of this chapter for you? Angie, you said you have one. Maybe she can give us an example. The moral of this chapter is a little bit more specific than probably morals are generally supposed to be, but my moral is Bella knows that she's a shit human being and decides to punish herself for it. So <laughs> the moral then is self-deprecation. You're a shit person, punish yourself. <laughs> or if you're a shit person, punish yourself. See, and it's funny because we see that a little differently because I almost read Bella as being kind of aloof about it. Like she's above these kids in school. She doesn't relate to kids her own age. And so it's not that she's a terrible person. It's just that I don't, I don't even know. I mean, she's obviously critical. She doesn't think that highly of herself, but also I felt like with all the school scenes, she felt like she was above the other kids. I was more talking about the way that she treats and thinks about her parental units. That's fair. Yeah. So she's definitely has a screwed up childhood and that affects her for sure. Do you have a moral for the chapter, Christian? Less is more. Less is more, baby. (laughs) All right. That's all I can come up with. Katie, unless it's adjectives, then more is more. God, a moral for chapter one. 
we'll, we'll edit out this silence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to fill it. I got mine, if you want me yeah, to. Yeah, go for it. Under no circumstances should you ever allow your mother to marry a baseball player. <laughs> Is he a baseball player? Oh, yeah. Stop spoiling this book for me, Nicholas. <laughs> it, didn't they say that? No. All right, well, yeah. Oh, I thought they totes did. I also read two chapters because that was the assignment. Moral of the story. Or moral of the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a vampire and you smell something yummy, hold your breath. <laughs> because you don't need to breathe. Yeah, whatever. What? Yeah, we're agreeing. Yeah, we're in agreement. Yeah. Hold your breath. All right, folks. Or leave. All right. That's chapter one, episode two. We survived. We made it through. Uh, we are obviously trying to figure out how this works and giving it the best shot that we can. Uh, we will definitely refine our approach to these chapters the more we do it, I'm sure. I'm hopeful. We'll get a groove. Uh, yeah, we'll find our groove. We'll get there. So if you listen to this, I don't know why, but I appreciate it. And I encourage you to come back and watch us grow and grow with us. And if you want to read along, our next episode will be taking a look at chapter two, because that's how books work. In the meantime, we are starting to try and establish some kind of social media presence beginning with Twitter, where you can find us at AwfulBookPod, assuming one of the four of us can figure out how Twitter works. Um, if you have any kind of feedback, questions, uh, anything anything that you feel like we missed from chapter one, and you want to reach out to us, and you're as bad at Twitter as we are, uh, we also have an email. It is AwfulBooks.Club at gmail.com. That's awfulbooks.club at gmail.com. So for Nicholas, Angie, Katie, and myself, uh, I just want to say, remember, never look a free truck in the mouth or engine. <laughs> Have a great time. We'll see you next time. It's a really awful book club, really awful book club, where we all read books. And they're bad. I've had three bad things this week. Number three was work. Number two was reading the chap first chapter of Twilight twice. No, number two was getting a tooth pulled. And number one was reading the first chapter of Twilight twice. <laughs> I think that's our post-credits. <laughs> 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 <laughs>